Good to see everyone. It's, uh, it's been a couple months since I've been up here to preach, and I uh, figured I would uh, pick a really easy topic, one that uh, really surfaced and lightweight. And uh, so, yeah, we're talking about prayer today. So uh, <laughs> it's funny how God leads sometimes, but I just was thinking, man, there's no really much more complex, robust, extensive, and deep topic than prayer. But as a a pastor named Jim Simbla has said, he said, the greatest thing anyone can learn in this building is how to pray. And because I wholeheartedly agree with that statement, um, I stand before you today and uh, I'm kind of delving into this this difficult and just expansive topic. Um, And as I thought about, man, there's just incredible men and women of the faith over generations who have spent their whole lives studying and delving into the topic of prayer, and they really have only scratched the surface. So I just want to say in the onset of this that, um, you know, prayer isn't something that we just get our arms around in one sitting. It's rather something that we spend our whole lives learning and struggling through and wrestling through and growing in. And it is a 3DM, a ministry who uh, has written some great content on discipleship, has said they said, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. And so, um, yeah, this is something that we want to just delve into today. And uh, I really desire for us to just grow an inch deeper in just this amazing grace of prayer. And that we really feel the call to become a house of prayer ourselves, as Jesus had said. Uh, Andrew Murray, who wrote a book called With Christ in the School of Prayer, said that, Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach, but how to pray. And I can't assume that everyone here even prays or even believes it's something that matters for the disciple of Christ. Um, I can't assume that everyone thinks it's something that's just remarkable, uh, and it's a gracious gift of God that would open us up to a life full of God's goodness. And so, um, yeah, and you know, for my own story, growing up in the church, I knew a lot about God, but I didn't really know God. I didn't know him as a loving father, as a, a close friend, as a rejoicing lover. But as God gripped my heart for that, and as he started to show me what prayer really means, it really has changed everything. And uh, it's really kind of refreshing for me to just admit this on the onset, that I actually can't, in my own wisdom and my own cleverness and my communication skills convince you and give you really a desire for prayer. Uh, This has got to be something that the Spirit of God does in us because it's not a behavior change. it's It's a heart change. And in Isaiah 64, it says that no one rouses to seek God himself. And so it just shows us that we really need the Spirit of God to do a work in us, um, to give us a, a heart and thirst for prayer. And so I'm coming before you today leaning on that, actually, banking on that, desperate for God to do that. Um, I love Paul's words to the church of Corinth where he says, My message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speech, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Let's pray. Father, you are so good and so great, Lord, and 
we just acknowledge, Lord, our need for you today and that, God, you would work through our weakness, God, through my weakness, through all of our brokenness, God, that you would just shine so brightly, God, that we would just get a a taste of your goodness, Lord, and that we would be changed, Lord, that we wouldn't leave here the same, God. Uh, And I just pray that by the power of your spirit that you would really illuminate the scriptures and you would really open our eyes, God, to some incredible truths in your gospel and in your word, Father. We just thank you so much for giving us your word, Lord, and showing us who you are and what you're like. And I just thank you for um, your presence in our midst right now. For your glory, Lord, we do all these things. Amen. So I have a fun little story, uh, story, I guess, scenario. Uh, Let's say that you're preparing dinner and you're with your family. And so you have a very big spread and you're preparing the table. And um, you're about to serve dinner and everyone's getting together in the kitchen and in the living room. And um, as you're about to sit down, a stranger comes in into your house unannounced, doesn't knock, doesn't ring the doorbell, uh, but very just calmly comes into the kitchen and says, hey, everyone, um, when's dinner going to be served? I'm really hungry. Looks great. Well, what would be your response? <laughs> I probably have done that before. That's not the point of the story. Well, if he was a stranger, I, wouldn't, I was not a stranger in that case. We'll get there. If he was a stranger and you didn't know him, I assume your response would be something like, we don't know who you are, we don't know how you got in here, but if you don't get out right away, we're going to call the police. Now, this stranger would be cast out. He would not be welcomed into the family. Why? Because the family doesn't know him. And so my goal in our time today is to unpack this incredible truth of the gospel that where we once did not have access to God, now by the blood of Christ, we now do have access to God. And that prayer is the vehicle whereby we access the fullness of God. But unless we look back at the old covenant and all of its regulations and complexities and rules, we will not actually feel the radicality of that statement. We won't recognize the unfathomable privilege that we have to access God directly because of the work of Jesus on the cross. And I was kind of thinking about how funny it would be if we could kind of spend just a week in this system. If we could just deal with bulls and sacrifices and blood and all of these rules. Because then we'd actually have a context for so much of the the scriptures and it would make a lot more it would hit home a lot more so if we had to deal with all of that and then go oh finally i don't have to do deal with all the blood and all the mess thank you jesus and so thankfully the scriptures give us some insight into this so we don't have to go back and try to replicate that which is great so we're going to start in hebrews 9 because that gives us a great history lesson on um, what it was once like with all of its rules and regulations and so the scriptures are going to be up on the screen. We're going to be in Hebrews 9, 6. And this is talking about how the priest had to come and enter the presence of God. Right, cool. 
The priests go regularly into the first section called the holy place, performing their ritual duties. But into the second, only the high priest goes, called the most holy place, and he but once a year. And not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened, as long as the first section is still standing. So yeah, I mean, basically coming into the presence of God was a bit complicated, and it was only for a select few. Uh, Many of you may know of Moses' right-hand man named Aaron. Listen to what God said to him in the book of Leviticus. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark so that he may not die. (laughs) So here we see, like, this is some intense language of the Lord. He's saying, man, this is life and death going on here. And entering the Lord's presence um, was only permitted by the high priest, and this is only once a year. And not only that, he had always come with sacrifices for himself and for all the unintentional sins. And he had to keep coming and coming and coming. And so only a few people were able to actually have the privilege of entering into the most holy place. And I don't really want to be a bearer of bad news, but I'm pretty sure none of us would have been selected to be a most high priest. So that means, if that was true, uh, then none of us would have been able to access the holies of holies ourselves. But only we would only see from afar. And yet ever since mankind and ever since we've been banished from the garden, we've been longing for the day that we would have access again to the Father. As I was talking through this message with my friend Ryan, he posed this question. He says, if we didn't have access to God himself, what would we be lacking? And I thought for a moment and said, well, I guess everything. And so we need to feel the weight of this to feel what it meant to not have access to God to only stand from afar, to have a veil dividing us, to have this desire for intimacy with our maker, with our creator, and yet not be fulfilled because of all these sacrifices weren't doing it. And uh, many of you are familiar with the phrase, you practice what you preach. Well, one of the great things I love about preaching on prayer is that we do get to practice what I'm preaching on right now. It's great. We don't have to wait till tomorrow or next month or next year, but we can experience the realities of these scriptures and these truths right now. And so throughout today's message, we're going to do something a bit different. I've asked three people from our church body to lead us in a time of prayer, and this is Gerard. And I want us to just hear that, man, prayer is such a unique expression of a relationship with God. It's not robotic. It's not mechanical. It's so unique among each one of us. And so I think that's a beautiful thing about prayer. And so Gerard's going to take it from here for now. Good morning, everyone. We'd like to enter into a time of reflection, of actually conversing in your spirit, in truth, with the living God. Um, We're going to reflect on the word that he spoke in Hebrews. Would you please join in reading this and meditating and reflecting on the truth of it in your heart as we read it? 
The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can ne never, by the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, they would not have stopped being offered. For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual mm -hmm. reminder of sin. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Day after day, every high priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers these same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. Let's meditate upon this and in your spirit um, and in the spirit of truth in your heart. Meditate on this, asking God that we might really understand and feel our insufficiency for the sacrifices of animals and how badly we need a sufficient sacrifice um, for our sinfulness. Abba, Father, thank you, Lord, that you have shown us that the sacrifices of animals do not care, cleanse away our sinfulness. We thank you, Father, that you have provided a way to do that through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Now, going back to the uh, story in the uh, house with the dinner being set, like the same story before, the meal's about to be prepared or about to be put on the table, and everyone's excited about gathering and enjoying that meal together. And this time, your son comes in uh, just in time for dinner. And he brings a stranger in. And he says to the family, hey, everyone, I'd like you to meet my friend. Can he have dinner with us tonight? Well, what do you think the response is going to be this time? Well, of course. Tell him to grab a plate and sit down and enjoy the feast and enjoy us, enjoy our company. Now, why does this stranger now have access to the family? It's because he came with the son. The son gives him access to the family. And in the same way, we who once were strangers and outcasts now have access to the family of God because of the son. Whoever gets the son gets it all. We read about this major shift in Hebrews 9 that we now have a truer and better priest, Jesus Christ. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world, but as it is, he has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So Jesus Christ has given us access to God. No longer do we have to go through the sinful high priests 
who had to continually offer sacrifices day after day, year after year, and it eventually died, and they had to put a new one in and a new one in. No longer do we need to offer sacrifices for sins that we are going to commit and continue to commit. No longer do we need to stand off in a distance even, like the Israelite, when the Israelites were watching Moses and God come together, and they would only just hear about God. But now we can know him personally, relationally, face-to-face. And this is the glorious news of the gospel. And so we're actually going to enter into another time of prayer and reflection, and Robin's going to lead us here. But this time, we're going to meditate on the access that we now have to God, the holies of holies, because Jesus has gone before us on our behalf. And he's actually destroyed the dividing wall of hostility that once stood between us and God because of our sin. As I read these inspired words from Ephesians 2, consider the incredible reality that through Jesus' death and resurrection, we now have access to God through his spirit. If it helps, open your hands so that you can posture yourself to receive all that God offers in his son, Jesus. Following this reading, there'll be a silent meditation. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Dear Lord, we are so thankful that you are so in control. It is absolutely amazing that as the Father of creation, you have made each one of us surprisingly different. Our gifts and personalities can be as far as the east is from the west. Yet through your amazing grace, we are one in you. It is you in us, Lord, that allows us to have access to God all the time. It is not possible to find the words to completely express our gratitude for this complete access. The fact that you place Jesus before us, bearing all our sins, it is overwhelming. Oh Lord, we bow down with love and gratitude. We praise you for including us. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So access to God changes everything. And I know that in this world, and from my own story, we may gain access to great riches, great social clubs, great fame, great pleasures, great accomplishments, or great knowledge, maybe even great vacations. (laughs) But whatever access we may gain in this world, it is not only temporary, but it's lacking. And my own story has been God showing me continually that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That he is far greater than the best of access that I could ever obtain here on this world. And actually for many years, I didn't even realize I had access to this all along. And so my desire is that we all too would know about this great access to God. And so that is my desire and that's why I come before you and, and, and present this.
And with access to God, I mean, there's a million things that I could talk about or that, 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 that does for us or can do for us or what that means for us. But for the sake of time, I just want to focus on two this morning, <laughs> which is a challenge for me. Um, first one, we have access to power over sin and death. Perhaps you're really struggling with sin right now or fearing death or maybe you're weighed down by just a continual struggle and it just seems hopeless. It's like, man, I just keep fighting this or it just keeps coming upon me. Well, I have good news for us today because Jesus Christ not only has conquered sin and death, but he has also shared it with us freely. We see evidence of this great victory in Romans 6, 9 through 10. It says, For we know that Christ was raised from the dead. He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And further, here is proof and evidence that he has given us the same power. Ephesians 1, Paul writes, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in his heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is evoked, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come. Did you know that this power is available to you through faith? The same power, I mean, it's so, it's, it's almost frustratingly hard to even comprehend that. The same power that raised Christ from the dead and conquered sin and death is now accessible to us by faith. Has this been shaping your prayers? Or have you been settling for a watered-down, tame version of prayer that is devoid of such power? I know I did for years. And so this scripture makes it very clear to us that there is no power greater than the power of Christ. And God has graciously given us access to this power. Why does he do that? Certainly not for us to build our own kingdom or make our name great, but so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin and death, which thus brings him great glory. I love what the apostle Peter who literally walked with Jesus and experienced a countless number of stories and testimonies and evidence of this power. He writes in 2 Peter 1, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I love that line, participate in the divine nature. When we access the presence of God through prayer, we are accessing a victorious power that made a mockery of sin and death on the cross. And now that we've heard these remarkable statements and truths about Jesus, it would be foolish to me not to take God at his word and say, Lord, we want to experience his power right now. 
And so what area of your life do you desperately need God and his power? Where have you felt really enslaved to sin? Where are you living in hopelessness? Let us come to the Lord right now, believing that his power truly is greater than all sin and death. I've asked Katie to uh, lead us in a time of reading and then prayer and meditation. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. When you were dead in your sins and in your, the uncircumcision of your fight, of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. God, we just thank you so much for the way that you intimately know us, God, that you know the depths of our heart, that you know uh, the sin that we struggle with and the dark areas that we may hide, God. We just thank you that you have conquered the sin yeah. through your cross, God, through your blood, through your grace, God. And we just want to claim that, Father. We yeah. want to recognize the work that you have done, Father, and that it's not a work of our own hands, but that it's, it's been done, God. We just want to receive this, God. And I just pray for every heart that is struggling with this darkness, is struggling with these lies and trying to overcome it by their own strength, Father. I just pray that we would be able to recognize what you have already done and just leave it at the cross, God. Amen. Just pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Katie. Secondly, we have access to a relationship with the living God. I'm going to read from Hebrews 8, 10 through 12. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. They will not teach each one of his neighbor and each one of his brothers saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. This is an incredible passage because it really shows us the heartbeat of God and that is to know us all, that we would all know him from the least of us to the greatest. And we do not need to wonder any longer, does God want a relationship with me? Because we can look to the cross. And Jesus on the cross is God shouting to us all, I want you to know me. We find even more evidence of this when Jesus was teaching his disciples in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, Then you can make your request directly to the Father in relation to this life I have revealed to you. I won't continue making requests on the Father on your behalf. I won't need to, because you've gone out on a limb, committed yourselves to love and trust in me, believing I came directly from the Father. The Father loves you directly. I just love this reminder of Jesus because what he's saying to us is that, hey, I've given you direct access to the Father. And as John Piper writes on this very text, he says, Jesus is telling us, I have made a way to God. I am not, now I'm not going to get in the way. Come. So I'm actually going to lead us in this time of prayer. And we're going to take God at his word that says, Lord, 
we're coming. We believe that you have given us access to the holies of holies and that Christ has paved the way, that he's gone before us on our behalf and that the veil that was once between us has been torn. And so I'm gonna read from Hebrews 10 and um, I just find these words to be so inspiring and so encouraging. And this is the gospel in such a snippet. It's amazing. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Oh, Father, that you would be so gracious to us, oh, Lord, that you would go to such lengths, God, that you would scale every wall to come to us, to pursue us, Lord, to reach us, God, that you would remove every barrier, Lord, so that we could come with full assurance, God, that a holy God could invite such broken sinners like us into his presence is just so hard for us to grasp, oh God. But I just pray that we would really believe what you're saying right here, Lord, that we can come because of the blood of Jesus and encounter the fullness of God. Lord, these truths are just so good and I just praise you on high that you would make these known to us, God, that you wouldn't leave us in the dark, God, rummaging around looking for our place or our step, but Lord, you would bring light into our hearts and lives so that we could see. We just praise you so much, O Lord. Amen. (laughs) I don't know about you, but when I read the Gospels, sometimes I laugh at the questions that the disciples would ask because they're questions I would want to ask, but I'd be too embarrassed to maybe ask them. And a great example of this is the question Thomas asked Jesus in John 14. He says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus answers him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one accesses the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So one thing that's very clear from all of these scriptures is that God has overwhelmingly given us, every single one of us, access to himself. He's given us a great salvation, eternal life forever. He's given us the fullness of who he is and his character through Jesus and his work on the cross. But what he, doesn't let us, he, what he doesn't let us choose is how we are to come. He doesn't he let us choose the path that we are to take. There is only one way that we gain access, and that is through knowing his son, Jesus Christ. The text here just says what it says. It's pretty black and white. No one accesses the Father except through me. And we could spend our entire lives going a million different ways trying to access God. But unless we die to ourselves, unless we surrender our own kingdom, 
and glory and confess that he is Lord over our lives, then we will not access God himself. And I just consider it so gracious of God that not only would he make a way for us being so sinful and wretched and transgressors, but that he would answer Thomas's questions so plainly through his word and through his son, Jesus. God is saying to us all, if you know my son, you will know me. Jesus, um, in Matthew 7, says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So I ask, do you know the Son? Because it's the only thing that truly matters. But we have great hope because Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Let's pray. Oh, Father, there is no one like you, O oh Lord. There is no one that has come after us with such a love as this, Lord, that has loved us, yes, Lord, while we were still sinners indeed. Lord, and there's nothing greater than knowing you, Lord. I just think, man, if, if I didn't know you, Lord, what would my life be? What would I be doing? I don't even know. I just praise you so much that everything changes, Lord, when we come into a relationship with you. And, man, I never want to go back, God. And I just pray that, man, we never want to go back, Lord. I don't want to go back to my old ways, Lord. I was so enslaved, God. I was so blind and darkened, Lord, in my heart, God, and I didn't even know it. And I just praise you that you came and showed me a great light, Lord, that revealed all that I was doing wrong. But you don't leave us there, Lord. You invite us into a relationship with such grace, Lord. So, Lord, may you just minister to us, Lord. And I just pray, man, if people don't know the Son, that you would do only what you can do, Lord, and you would reveal yourself as Lord, Savior, Christ, Messiah, giver of life, Lord. And if you would like to respond in prayer, we're gonna have Gerard and Robin and Katie in the back by the windows for prayer, to pray with you, to pray through sin struggles, to pray through things that are hard, things that are confusing, oh Lord. So we just, Lord, I, I just thank you so much, Lord, that you would choose me, Lord. I, I'm the least likely candidate, Lord. I just can't believe it. So I just praise you on high for your grace, and we just give you all the glory. It's all about you, Lord. In your son's powerful name we pray. Amen.